Welcome beyond your focus. I'm Stefan, this is Amanda, and this is Let's Palaver about the Wasteland. It is a Stephen King's The Dark Tower, book three. We're in chapter two, part two. <laughs> Which is part of book one. Yeah. I, uh, bear and Bone, I think. No, or, or we go to book two. We're in book two, I lied. Yeah. So we're in book Good. two, which is Key and Rose. Yes. Yes. Book two, Key and Rose. Chapter two, part two. I think. Or no, 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 no just part no, two. Just... Key and Rose, part two. I don't yes. It's very confusing. Because the first one was Bear and Bone, so this is Key and Rose. Yes. We just split it into two. Yes, yes, yes. It's, it's weird. It's, There's it's long complicated. chapters. Which are just books themselves. Yes, yes. And instead of having a three-hour podcast, we <laughs> maybe we cut these in half and only have an hour to hour and a half podcast. <laughs> so we'll see how this one goes today. Maybe it, we can pull it all together in an hour. I don't know. It seems simpler than the last chapter, but what do I know? I don't know. It is February 25th, the last... Somebody's got to remember. The, <laughs> the last palaver... Of February. And the first one in your heart. Well, not, <laughs> not really. Um, but sure, may, maybe in the next couple <laughs> chapters. Oh, we last left off with Jake in the Manhattan mine, uh, Manhattan restaurant of the mind. Yes. He just left. The last line was literally, but as he left, a certainly stole over a certain tea stole over him he would never enter the manhattan restaurant of the mind again which is sad because it seems like a really cool bookstore yes it does all i can say is this might not be the last time we see the gentleman in the bookstore maybe maybe, maybe. no one really knows <laughs> maybe we know but it's not worth just a place so, uh, he is now walking down 2nd Avenue. He has his books that he purchased, which was the Riddle Book and Charlie the Choo Choo. Choo Choo! And he doesn't know where he's going. He's just walking and he's just being pulled by this feeling. Yes, this feeling of white. Yes. It's... He, he's walking, he's getting all these just overwhelming sensations. He's hearing sounds, like voices, everything like that, besides the voices he's had stuck in his head. He's just hearing these... He, he, everything just seems to be louder and brighter, and he's just being pulled, and he's wondering if this was the way that dogs felt before thunderstorms or earthquakes, and felt almost sure that it was. And then he goes, a familiar feeling. He's able to see the future. <laughs> like he did right before he was killed, not killed, by yes. the car. A sense of knowing in advance. I think a little bit more than a sense of knowing in advance. <laughs> he, he lays it out pretty obvious and those things come to be exact. Between the, oh, the bum asking for money, him passing by the... Whatever the place Tower, it's a... Tower Records. Yeah. And whatever the place with the mirrors. The door, it just, it just said that he's going to see his reflection in a bunch of mirrors. But I thought they named the place as he actually passed said place. Um, I thought. I don't know. I see. 
And this time we, in this particular book, we've seen to move on to the uh, I see a red door and I want to paint it black. Yes. That seems to be our new Hey Jude. It just, oh, Reflections of You. That is the name of the mirror store. Reflections see, of You. I told you, I, th- I thought they said the name of it. But bam. So yes, everything he uh, feels is starting to unravel in front of him as he keeps walking. And he just keeps getting this sense that he's going in the right direction. Yes. Piper seemed long ago and far away now. Suddenly Jake realized where he was going. This acknowledgement rose in his mind like a sweet, refreshing water from an underground spring. It's a delicatessen, <laughs> delicatessen, I think. Which is a deli. Which is just a deli. We could have just said deli. He says it later on. It's a deli. <laughs> Had to look up the word. I'm like, what the? What, what is that? <laughs> it's, it's just a deli. A place they have meats and stuff and cheese. And, it's a deli. It's what you think when you think of deli. An old school... Side, just a hole-in-the-wall deli. This is this is what it is. He thought that's... Uh, he thought... Uh, that's what it looks like anyway. It's really something else. A doorway to another world. The world. His world. The right world. Indeed, the right world. So, he began to run. Yes, he he, is, he's very excited now. Yes, he has realized this is how he, he gets... Back to Roland. This is how we can get back to that world. This is how we can stop the voices forever and get things done and get back to where he feels he belongs. So he's he's very much oh yeah he's, beeline in there. He is jumping over things. He is like turning around people like he's playing football. Like <sighs> he is just weaving through everybody. And he's like the door. He thought ecstatically. I'm going to see it, and I'm going to stop. No way, Jose. I'm going to go straight through it. And if it's locked, I'll flatten it right in front of me. And then he skids to a stop because it is not what he thought it was. Nope. No, he almost whispered no. But his near frantic negation did not change what he saw, which was nothing at all. There was nothing to see but a short board fence and littered, and a littered weedy lot beyond it. The building which had stood here had been demolished. Yes. So we have Jake standing in front of this, just feeling completely defeated. Yeah, he's very, he's very upset now. This is yes. not good. This is... his absolutely absolute certainty was draining out of him. The feeling which was replacing it was the deepest bitterest despair he had ever known just another false alarm he thought when the shock had abated enough so he could think anything at all another false alarm blind alley dry well now the voices will start up again and when they do i think i'm going to start screaming and that's okay because i'm tired of toughing this thing out i'm tired of going crazy if this is what going crazy is like, then I just want to hurry up and get there so somebody will take me to the hospital and give me something that'll knock me out. I give up. This is the end of the line. I'm through. But the voices did not come back. At least, not yet. And as he began to think about what he was seeing, he realized that the lot wasn't completely empty after all. Standing in the middle of the trash-littered weedy waste ground was a sign. Mills Construction and Sombra Real Estate. Remember Sombra Real Estate? 
Sombra. Um, uh, Sombra Real Estate Associates. And continuing to remake the face of Manhattan. Coming soon to this location, Turtle Bay Luxury Condominiums. Call blah 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 for information. You'll be glad you did. What advertise? Coming soon, maybe. Coming soon? Maybe, but Jake had his doubts. Letters of the sign were faded. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's like this sign's old. It's not, not really happening. Don't think we're going to get this very soon. The turtles. Turtle, turtle. Turtle, turtle. But pretty much, and he gets his father's voice in his head yelling at somebody pretty much to never get into the condo business. Yeah. Like, if they have to try to sell you a T, if they try to give you a TV just so you can come look at a bl- blueprint, there's something wrong. <laughs> They're trying to bribe you here, and this is not, this is not a good idea. This is not working. It's not worth it. So he travels along the fence just seeing random signs and no trespassing and just advertisements for everything. But then something else catches his eye. Does it ever? Does it ever? Jake whispered the words aloud, his eyes wide and fascinating. Seeing the turtle of enormous girth, on his shell he holds the earth. If you want to run and play, come along the beam today. Hmm, familiar words, I would say. Very, very reoccurring. Very reoccurring. And oddly enough, the f- like the color of paint used, or at least now what it looks like, is a dusky pink of late summer roses. Late summer roses. So pretty much, he, as he's standing here at the Spence, he decides, you know what, I'm going over. So he shoves his books down his shirt, pretty much. Yep. And then climbs over the fence. Well, grabs the top of the fence and leaps over the fence. <laughs> uh, to which he... <laughs> no, no, he kind of lands on like a brick sideways and yeah. twists his ankle and falls over. And... Yeah. He pretty much just lands on the bricks. The bricks slide out from under him. He gets thrown forward he could feel his ankle twist and he lands on a pile of bricks to which is just like getting the wind knocked out of you he's like he says he simply lay where he was for a moment waiting to get his breath back he didn't think he was badly hurt but he'd twisted his ankle and it would probably swell he'd be walking with a limp by the time he got home he'd just have to grin and bear it though he sure didn't have cab fare you don't really plan to go home, do you? They'll eat you alive. Well, maybe they would, and maybe they wouldn't. So far as he could see, he didn't have much choice in the matter. Yep. As he got up, Jake saw that he had actually fallen lucky. Close by was a nasty jumble of broken glass. If he'd fallen into that, he might have cut himself very badly. That used to be the show window, Jake thought. Uh, when the deadly was still here, you could stand on the sidewalk and look in and see neat, uh, meats and cheeses. They used to hang on strings. He didn't know how he knew this, but he did. Knew it beyond the shadow of a doubt. Hmm. Let's see. Jake knelt beside a sign and pulled it upright and brushed the dirt away. The letters were faded, but he could still make them out. Tom and Jerry's Artistic Deli. Party platters are specialty. Hmm. We've heard this name before. Yeah, not too terribly that long ago. 
Hmm, I wonder who else was dreaming about said place. About opening it up and it being a doorway. Yes. And below it, spray painted in the same red fading to pink, was this puzzling sentence, He holds us all within his mind. This is the place, Jake thought. Oh, yes. That it is. Very special place. So he pretty much has is now seeing this broken down, just empty lot as something different. He's looking around and everything is once again seeming alive and brighter. Things look beautiful that shouldn't be, like garbage. <laughs> yes, like garbage. He, underst- he suddenly understood that he was standing on the edge of a great mystery, and he felt a shudder, half terror and half wonder, work through him. It's all here. Everything. Everything is still here. <laughs> he was hearing his sound. Had been hearing it ever since he entered the lot, in fact. It was a wonderful, high, humming, inexpressing... Wait, what the... I don't know. Doesn't matter. Lonely and... Yeah, the word again, lovely. Uh, Inexpressibly. Inexpressibly. There we go, sure. It might have been the sound of high wind on a desert plain, except it was alive. It was, he thought, the sound of a thousand voices singing some great open chord. He looked down and realized there were faces in the tangled weeds and low low bushes and heaps of bricks. Faces. What are you? Jake whispered. Who are you? There was no answer, but he seemed to hear beneath the choir the sound of hoofbeats on the dusty earth and gunfire and angels calling thousands... Calling... Hosannas? What is a Hosanna? I don't know. Okay. I honestly don't okay, know. But I, I do know the whole, like, I've heard it in, like, church songs and stuff okay. like that. So. And angels calling Hosanna's past. They seemed to follow his progress, but no, no evil intent did they bear. He could see 46th Street in the edge of the new building, blah, blah, blah. First building, uh, The humming grew. Now not, now not a thousand voices, but a million. An open funnel of voices raising from the deepest swell of the universe. He caught names in the uh, group voice, but could not but could not have said what they were. One might have been Martin. One might have been Cuthbert. Another might have been Roland. Roland of Gilead. There were names. There were babble of conversations and might have been 10,000 entwined stories. But above all was that glorious swelling hum, a vibration that wanted to fill his head with a bright white light. It was, Jake realized, with joy so overwhelming that it threatened to burst him to pieces. The voice of yes, the voice of white, the voice of always. It was a great chord course of affirmation and it sang in this empty lot it sang for him then lying in a cluster of scrubby burdock plants Jake saw the key and beyond that the rose two extraordinarily (laughs) important things at the moment (laughs) 
Yes. His legs betrayed him, and he fell to his knees. He was vaguely aware that he was weeping, even more vaguely aware that he had wet his pants a little. He crawled forward on his knees and reached toward the key, lying in the snarl of burdocks. Its, simply sh its simple shape was one he seemed to have seen in his dreams. He thought, the little S-shape at the end, that's the secret. Mmm, once again, <laughs> very familiar. We definitely know something along those lines. Yes. You, you've got a fair bit of doing notes here. Why? Because you can zigzag lines through your paper. Are they at least in order this time? Yeah. This is it. It's right here and then right there. Okay. It doesn't go here and then here and then over here and then there How? and maybe here. How did this go from Jake's discovery of the key and the rose and all this power and joy to you bashing my notes? Excuse me. Oh. At least I remembered mine. Yeah. Thank you. They're right there. They're beautiful on the screen. Complicated. They're yes, there. They're tiny. They are. You have to bend over yep. just to see them. Mm -hmm. And to top it off, if anything goes wrong, that's our audio. <laughs> what can I do? What can I do? Print things would be a simple solution, but how difficult that Coming is. Coming at me in my zigzags. <laughs> I'm just saying. Uh, anyway, moving forward, I think. <laughs> but anyways, he now has taken the key in his hand and the voices are getting louder and joyous and at the same time terrifying. Yes. He opened Charlie the Choo Choo and put the key inside. Uh, then his eyes were fixed upon the rose again and he realized that it was the real key. The key to everything. He crawled toward it, toward it. His face a flaming corona of light. His eyes blazing wells of blue fire. The rose was growing from a clump of alien purple grass. And Jake neared the clump of alien grass. The rose began to open before his eyes and disclosed a dark scarlet furnace. Petal upon secret petal, each burning with its own secret fury. He had never seen anything so intensely and utterly alive as in his whole life. And now as he stretched one grim... Grimy, grimy, grimy hand out towards this wonder. The voices began to sing in his own name, and deadly fear began to steal in towards this nervous heart. It was as cold as ice and as heavy as stone. There was something wrong. He could feel it pulsing discord, like a deep and ugly scratch across some piercing work of art or deadly fever, smoldering beneath the chilly skin of the, of an. Invalid's brow? Invalid. Sure. It was something like a worm, an invading worm. Yeah, if you can see that despite the light, I don't know. But it's a very pretty picture. Then the heart of the rose opened for him, exposing a yellow dizzle dazzle? A yellow dazzle of light. And all thought was swept away in a wave of wonder. Jake thought for a moment that, that what he was seeing was only pollen, which had been invested within the supernatural grow, glow, which lived at the heart of every object in, the, in this deserted clearing. He thought it even through, even though he had never heard of pollen within a rose. 
He leaned closer and saw that the concentrated circle of blazing yellow was not pollen at all. It was the oh, it was a sun, a vast forge burning at the center of the rose, growing in the purple grass. The fear returned, only now it had become outright terror. It's right, he thought. Everything here is right, but it could go wrong. Has started going wrong already, I think. I'm being allowed to feel as much of that wrongness as I can bear. But what is it, and what can I do? It was something like a worm. He leaned closer to the rose and saw that its core was not just one sun, but many. Perhaps all suns contain within a ferocious yet fragile shell. But it's wrong. It's all in danger. Knowing it would mo almost surely mean his death to touch that glowing mic mi microcosm? microcosm? But helpless to stop himself, Jake reached forward. There was no curiosity or terror in the gesture, only a great inarticulate need to protect the rose. And then when he came back to himself, because he passed out, so. Apparently touching the rose, maybe not the best idea. Yeah, maybe that's not, that's not touching the rose. That's probably the best. When he came back to himself, he was first only aware that a great deal of time had passed, and his head hurt like hell. What happened? Was I mugged? Yeah. No, 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 Jake, I don't, I don't think you were mugged. Yeah. Uh, he rolled over and sat up. Another blast of pain went through his head. He raised his hand to his left temple, and his fingers came away with sticky, or came away sticky with blood. He looked down and saw a brick poking out of the weeds. Its rounded corner was red too. If he had been, if it had been sharp, I'd probably be dead or in a coma. Yeah, just ask Susanna. <laughs> And that's the end of the podcast. I'm just saying. It it's didn't go well for soon. her. It didn't go well for her. So yes, he pretty much looks down, realizes he still has his watch. So even as cheap as his watch is, he's, he didn't get mugged. No, he didn't get mugged. But he still didn't understand exactly what happened to him. Pretty much it was a quarter past four, so he had been out for five hours. So that's just, just, just a little while. <laughs> little by little, the memories came back, hopping the fence. Slipping and twisting his ankle, he reached down, touched it, and winced. Yes, that much happened, all right. Then what? Something magical. He groped for everything like an old man groping his way across a shadowy room. Everything had been full of its own light. Everything. Even the empty wrappers and discarded beer bottles. There had been voices. They had been singing and telling thousands of overlapping stories and faces. He muttered this memory. Uh, he muttered, "This memory made him look around apprehensively. He saw no faces. The piles of bricks were just piles of bricks, and the tangles of weed were just tangles of weed. There were no faces, but, but there, but they were here. It wasn't your imagination. He believed that." He couldn't capture the essence of the memory, its quality and beauty and transcendence, but it seemed perfectly real. And just a memory. Okay. Well, so, 
Let me go down a little bit here. Then he saw the rose, growing in a clump of purple grass, very close to the place where he had fallen. His heart leaped into his throat. Jake blundered back towards it, unmindful of the beats of pain each step sent upon his ankle. He dropped to his knees and in front of it like a worshipper at an altar. He leaned forward, eyes wide. It's just a rose. Just a rose, after all. And the grass? The grass wasn't purple, after all, he saw. There were splatters of purple on the blade, yes, but the color beneath was perfectly normal green. He looked a little further and saw splashes of blue on other clumps of weeds. To his right, a struggling burdock bush bore traces of both red and yellow, and beyond the burdocks was a little pile of discarded paint cans. That's all right, just splatters of paint, only with your head all messed up the way it was. You thought you were seeing... That's a bull, he thought. Uh, what he had seen then, and what he's seeing now. Camouflage, he whispered. It was all here. Everything was. And still is. Yeah, it's like, how do you... If every, every time a person came by, it started singing, it'd be gone by now. Yeah, <laughs> it would not be here. It's got to hide itself somehow. Uh, now that his head was clearing, he could again feel the steady harmonic power of this place held. The choir was still here, a voice just as musical, although now dim and distant. He looked at the pile of bricks and an old broken chunks of plaster and saw a barely describable face hiding within it. It was the face of a woman with a scar on her forehead. Allie? Jake murmured, murmured, isn't your name Allie? There was no answer. The face was gone. Hmm. Interesting choice there. <laughs> We're aware of an Allie from two books back. Yeah. So he pretty much, he's, he's looking at the rose now. It's not this beautiful thing that he witnessed earlier. It was... It kind of looks half dead. It's curled up and it's just... he. It wasn't the sort of cultivated flower he had seen in florist shops, he supposed. It was a wild rose. You're very beautiful, he said, and once more stretched his hand out to touch it. Although there was no breeze, the rose nodded toward him. Are you sick, Rose? There was no answer, of course. When his fingers left the faded pink bowl of the flower, it nodded back to its original position. So everything has lost it's it's pretty much it is now camouflaged and yet he's still drawn to the rose he can just sit there and stare at it all day oh could he ever just stay there forever just stare stare at the rose he remained on his hands and knees a little longer then realized he could stay here looking at the rose for the rest of the afternoon or maybe the rest of his life and not come any closer to solving its mystery he had seen it plain for a moment as he had seen everything else in this forgotten, trash-littered corner of the city. He had seen it with its mask off and its camouflage tossed aside. He wanted to see that again, but wanting it would not make it so. It was time to go home. Unfortunately. He saw, he saw the two books he'd brought. The Manhattan bought at the Manhattan Restaurant of the Mind, lying nearby, 
As he picked them up, and a bright silver object, object slipped from the pages of Charlie the Choo Choo and fell into the scruffy patch of weeds. Jake bent, uh, favoring his hurt ankle, and picked it up. As he did, the choir seemed to sigh and swell, then fell back to almost audible hum. So that part was real too, he murmured. Yep. The key. Yes. The key was real. The key was real. And the, the rose key was real. <laughs> is insanely important. Yes. The key is... Yes, you need a key. You, you definitely need a key, especially if he's been searching for a door. Yeah, yeah, searching for a door. I mean, a key might come in handy for a, a door. So he pretty much decides it's time to head home, turns towards the fence, and then just this horrifying thought hits him. What if somebody comes in here and picks it? A little moan of horror escaped him. He turned back, and after a moment, his eyes picked it out, although it was deep in the shadow of a neighboring building now, a tiny pink shape in the dimness, vulnerable, beautiful, and alone. I can't leave it. I have to guard it. But a voice spoke up in his mind, a voice that was surely that of the man he had met at the way station in the strange other life. No one will pick it, nor will any vandal crush it beneath his heel because his dull eyes cannot abide the sight of its beauty. That is not the danger. It can protect itself from such things as though. A sense of a sense of deep relief swept through Jake. Can I come here again and look at it? He asked the phantom voice. When I'm low, or if the voices come back and start their argument again, can I come back and look at it, have some peace? The voice did not answer. No, it did not. No, it did not. But it gave him enough comfort that he mm -hmm. was able to scramble back up the fence. How he did it, being a tiny boy with a twisted ankle, I don't know. But he, <laughs> he did it. <laughs> now it's time to go home. Yes. It is time to go home. Uh, the doorman must have buzzed up as soon as Jake entered the lobby. Because his father was standing outside the elevator when it opened on the fifth floor. Elmer Chambers was wearing faded blue jeans and a cowboy boots that improved his 5'10 to a rootin' tootin' six foot. God, do I hate him. Yeah. God, I hate him. His crew cut and his just... Just everything about him. So, needless to say, um, Elmer Chambers, very unhappy. Oh, yeah. Not a happy man at the moment. Grabs his arm as soon as he gets out of the elevator. Just rip. Get in here. Where the hell have you been? Your mother's just about off her effing gourd. <laughs> so, of course, drags Jake across the room. Uh, the. The. the uh, I, uh, I guess the hall? She, well, no. Is she. Is she the nanny? Is she the. Cleaning lady. This is she Shaw? Yeah, just the help. I don't know she's, exactly what uh, I mean, uh, her position is. She is hired. She is the maid. She's the nanny. She okay. She's whatever she needs to be. She seems to take care of Jake and keep things clean and keep people fed. Okay. She seems so, to do it all. So she pretty much sees him and is just kind of like, I'm sorry, kid. And just kind of goes away before they take it out on her. <laughs> And his his mom is not really she's she's yeah she's a bit out of it. 
as he describes, she's probably taken three, maybe four volumes since noon. So she's... She got to her feet when she saw Jake, but she did not leap to her feet. Neither did she pelt across the foyer so she could cover him with kisses and invective. As she came toward him, yeah, Jake assessed her eyes and guessed she'd had at least three or four volumes. Three or four. Yeah. Both of his parents were firm believers in better living through chemistry. (laughs) You're bleeding. Where have you been? Been. She made this inquiry in her cultured, bizarre voice, pronouncing been so it rhymed with seen. So she turned into Ronald Weasley's mother. (laughs) Where have you been? No note. <laughs> to which Jake Jake doesn't give the best outright response. No. There's a, a lot that happens here. Jake, not a huge fan of his father to begin with. As this says, to this point in life, Jake had been aware of only three feelings about his father. Puzzlement, fear, and a species of weak, confused love. Well, literally... After she said, where have you been? Jake answers, out. Oh, yeah, out. Yeah. And his dad starts shaking him. And then we get my little my little thing. Yeah. Uh, and now a fourth and fifth surfaced. One was anger. The other was disgust. Mixed with these unpleasant feelings was a sense of homesickness. It was a large thing inside, blah, blah, blah. So, yeah... Yep. Flushed cheeks, blah, 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 looking at the roses. This is not my place, he thought. Not anymore. I have work to do. I have work to do. If only I knew what it was. Let me go, he said. What did you say to me? His father's blue eyes widened. Yeah, he's not particularly happy. So, so he kind of guesses that his dad's been also hitting the powder. The powder. The, the white powder. The magic dust. Magic dust. And, uh... He, Jake's not going to have it either. He just said, It was probably made this a bad time to cross him, but Jake realized he intended to cross him just the same. He would not be shaken like a mouse in the jaws of a sadistic tomcat. Not tonight. Maybe not ever again. He suddenly realized that a large part of his anger stemmed from one simple fact. He could not talk to them about what had happened, what was still happening. They had closed all the doors. So he grabs hold of the key for courage and is just like, I said, let go of me. I've got a sprained ankle and you're hurting it. I'll hurt more than in your ankle if you don't. Sudden strength seemed to flow into Jake. He seized the hand clamped on his arm just below the shoulder and shoved it violently away. His father's mouth dropped open. I don't work for you, Jake said. I'm your son, remember? If you forgot, check the picture on your desk. To which the father's like, no, don't you talk to me like that, mister. Where in the hell is your respect? I don't know. Maybe I lost it on the way home. I think you did. I think you did. To which they go back and forth. Jake's mom's freaking out now. She's like, stop it. You guys need to stop yelling at each other. 
<laughs> Your clothes are dirty, his mother observed, and then added, timidly, Were you mugged, Johnny? Did you play hooky and get mugged? <laughs> and of course he wasn't. Of course he wasn't mugged. He's still wearing his watch, isn't he? Uh, but the blood on your head. It's okay, Mom. I just bumped it. But I'm going to bed. I'm very, very tired. If you want to talk about this in the morning, okay. Maybe we'll be all be able to make some sense. But for now, I have a thing to say. I have nothing to say. Nope. I have a thing to say. I don't have a thing to I don't, say. See, I can't, I can't do it. It's too hard for me. His father took a step after him, reaching out. No, Elmer. Jake's mother almost screamed. Chambers ignored him. Interesting to call him Chambers now. Yeah. <laughs> uh, ignored her. He grabbed Jake by the back of the blazer. Don't you just walk away from me, he began. And then Jake whirled, tearing the blazer out of his hand. The seam under the right arm, already strained, let go with a rough, purring sound. His father saw those blazing eyes and stepped away. The rage on his face doused by something that... Looked like terror. The blaze was not metaphysical. Jake's eyes actually seemed to be on fire. His mother gave voice gave voice to the strengthless little scream, clapped one hand in her mouth, took two large stumbling steps backwards, and dropped into her walking chair with a small thud. Leave me alone, Jake said. What happened to you? his father asked, and now the tone was almost plaintive. What in the hell's happened to you? You bug out of school without a word to anyone. On the first day of exams, you come back filthy head to toe, and you act as if you've gone crazy. Well, there it was. You act as if you've gone crazy. What had you been afraid of ever since the voices started three weeks ago? The dread accusation. Only now that it was out, Jake found it didn't frighten him much at all. Perhaps because he had finally put the issue to rest in his own mind. Yes, something had happened to him. Was still happening. But no, he had not gone crazy. At least, not yet. Not yet. He's still making it. He's still, still pushing through, chugging. Also, little side note, in the middle of their argument, one of the things that got brought up is apparently the headmaster had called and the French teacher actually stopped by. Yes, important things. That, yes. Yep. Important things we skipped over. Because that'll come back up in like just a second. (laughs) (laughs) So pretty much Jake's like, we're going to talk later. And that's it. It's like, his mother, of course, is like, Johnny, are you all right? And he's like thinking in his head, yes, no, maybe. I, I don't know. I just know I need to go to bed. And just walks into his room, closes the door, and just feels this sense of relief. He stood by the door a little while, listening. His mother's voice was only a murmur, his father's a little louder. His mother said something about blood and a doctor. His father said the kid was fine. The only thing wrong with the kid was the junk coming out of his mouth. And he would fix that. Mm-hmm. Uh, his mother said something, uh, something about calming down. His father was calm. Said he was calm. Yeah. His mother said, he said, blah, 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 blah. Jake still loved them. He was sh- pretty sure he did, anyway. But other stuff had happened now, and these things had made it necessary that s- still other things must occur. 
Why? Because something was wrong with the rose, and maybe because he wanted to run and play and see his eyes again, as blue as the sky above the way station had been. He sat down and put the books on his chair. He had been sleeping very badly over the last few weeks, uh, but thought tonight he would sleep well. He could remember being so tired. When he woke up in the morning, perhaps he would know what to do. There was a light knock on the door, and Jake turned wearingly in that direction. It's Mrs. Shaw, John. May I come in for a minute? He smiled. <laughs> Mrs. Shaw. Of course it was. His parents had drafted her as the inter- intermediary, or perhaps translator might be a better word. You go see him, his mother would have said. He'll tell you what's wrong with him. I'm his mother, and this man with the bloodshot eyes and the running nose is his father. And you're the o- and you're only the housekeeper. But he'll tell you what's... He wouldn't tell us, because you see him more than either of us. And maybe you speak his language. She'll have a tray. Jake thought, and when he opened the door, uh, he was smiling. Mrs. Shaw did indeed have a tray. Yes, she brought him two sandwiches, apple pie, a glass of chocolate milk, mm, just mm, just mm. everything. I'm all in. Mrs. <laughs> Shaw, give me some of that. Yes, and so he invites her in. She comes in, and she sees Charlie the Choo Choo, and she's like, oh, I remember reading this as a little girl. Did you buy this today? He's like, yes. Did my parents ask you to find out where I was? <laughs> That's actually how this went, okay. She nodded. No acting, no put on. It was just a chore, like taking out the trash. You can tell me if you want to, her face said, or you can keep still. I like you, Johnny, but it's really nothing to me, one way or the other. I just work here, and it's already an hour past my regular quitting time. <laughs> yeah, I mean, Mrs. Josh is asking But he wasn't offended by it. He just... He, he saw her as more of a friend than most people yes. because they're together all the time. But she was honest. She was at least, at least to the point with him. Didn't treat him like a kid. Honesty's nice. And his favorite sandwich is bologna and cheese. That was another thing in Miss Shaw's favor. She knew all his favorites. She cut the crust off for him. <laughs> Please tell them I'm fine, he said, and tell my father I'm sorry that I was rude to him. I've been studying very hard for my exams, and it all came down on me this morning, I guess. I sort of froze. It seemed like I had to get out or I'd suffocate. As for this, please tell my mother it's really nothing. I didn't get mugged or anything. It was just a stupid accident. There was a UPS guy pushing a hand truck, and I walked right into it. The cut's no big deal. I'm not having double vision or anything, and even the headache's gone now. She nodded. I can see how it must have been. A high-powered school like that and all. You just got a little spooked. No shame in that, Johnny. But you really haven't seemed like yourself the last couple weeks. I think I'll be okay now. I might have to read you my final essay in English, but... Oh! Mrs. Shaw said... And startled look across her face. She put Charlie the Choo Choo back down in Jake's deck. I almost forgot. Your French teacher left something for you. I'll go get it. Oh, shit. Oh, God! The one thing he's been worried about. Oh, jeez. A few minutes later, Miss Shaw came back. She was carrying a very familiar blue folder. Jake found that not all of his dread had left him after all. 
They would all know by now, of course, students and faculty alike, and it was too late to do anything about it. But that didn't mean he liked all of them knowing he had flipped his lid, that they were talking about him. Well, as she was gone, he uh, ate his food, very tastily, and she returned with a folder a few moments later. Pretty much, and uh, he says, "How are my?" He's like, "How are my folks doing?" Because of course she had to go give him a report. Of course. Your father wanted me to ask you why you didn't just tell him you had exam fever. He said he had it himself once or twice when he was a boy. Jake was struck by this. His father had never been the sort of man to indulge in reminiscence, which began, you know, when I was a kid. He tried to imagine his father as a boy with a bad, bad case of exam fever and, fever, and he found he couldn't quite do it. Yeah. 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 Uh, well, on the blue folder, there was a small envelope had been paper clipped to the front of the folder. Yes. And we find that it is a note from Mr. Bissett, the French teacher. Yes. Which pretty much just says we're all concerned about you. And I'm here for you if you need me, and you can call me at this number. Yeah. It says, remember that we all like you very much and are on your side. I'll be up till midnight. Remember that we all like you very much and you'll be on your side. Jake felt like crying. The concern was stated, and that was wonderful. But there were other things, unstated things, in the note that were even more wonderful. Warmth, caring, and an effort, however misconceived, to understand and console. Uh, Mr. Bissett had drawn a small arrow at the bottom of the note. Jake turned it over and read this. By the way, Bonnie asked me to send this along. Congratulations. Congratulations? What in the hell did he mean by that? He flipped open the folder. A sheet of paper had been clipped through the first page of his final essay. It was headed from the desk of Bonita. Bonita Avery, and Jake read the spiky fountain pen lines in growing amazement. And now this 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 letter. Oh, this insane letter. This oh my god. John Leonard will undoubtedly voice the concern we all feel. He is awfully good at that. So let me confine myself to your final essay, which I read and graded during my free period. It is stunningly original and superior to any student work I have read in the last few years. Your use of incremental repetition, and that is the truth, is inspired, but of course incremental repetition is really just a trick. The real worth of the composition is in its symbolic quality, first stated by the images of the train and the door on the title page, and carried through splendidly within. This reaches its logical conclusion with the picture of the Black Tower, which I take as your statement that conventional ambitions are not only false, but dangerous. I do not pretend to understand all the symbolism, e.g. Lady of Shadows, Gunslinger, but it seems clear that you yourself are the prisoner of school, society, and that the educational system is the speaking demon. Is it possible that both Roland and the Gunslinger are the same authority figure? Your father, perhaps. I became so intrigued by this possibility that I looked up his name in your records. I note it is Elmer, but I further note that his middle initial is R. I find this extremely provocative. Or is this name a double symbol, drawn both from your father and from Robert Browning's poem, Child Roland to the Dark Tower Came? 
This is not a question I would ask most students, but of course I know how omnivorously you read. At any rate, I am extremely impressed. Younger students are often attracted to so-called stream-of-consciousness writing, but are rarely able to control it. You have done an outstanding job of merging S of C with symbolic language. Bravo! Drop by as soon as you're back at it. I want to discuss possible publication of this piece in the first issue of next year's Student Literary Magazine. B. Avery. P.S. If you left school today because you had sudden doubts about my ability to understand a final essay of such unexpected richness, I hope I have assaged them. Assaged? What a letter. Since none of that was remotely a part of what how that got written. No, not at all. Not only one, he doesn't even know how he wrote it. Yeah, he doesn't know. He doesn't even know when he wrote it. Two, we know every single thing that, that his thing means, but... Yes, what it talks about, who the prisoner is, the Lady of Shadows, Roland... Uh, Roland and the Gunslinger are the same authority figure. Your father, perhaps? Well, in a sense, his father. More of a father than his father is, but... <laughs> Probably. Oh. And, of course, he got an A-plus on it with an excellent job. A-plus. Jake began to laugh. Oh, did he laugh. And laugh. And laugh. And laugh. Well, could you imagine that you've been terrified for an entire day that people are going to think you're crazy. That the teacher is going to call the nut house. That you've been worrying and worrying and worrying and out of... A plus! Yeah, I would think that was hilarious. Oh, God. I gotta stop, he thought. I gotta stop or it's gonna kill me. I'll have a stroke or a heart attack or something. Then he thought, I wonder what she made of choo-choo, choo-choo, and began to laugh wildly again. I mean, I'm curious as well. <laughs> what did you make of the choo-choo, choo-choo, choo-choo at the end of the, the, the paper there? I just... Yeah. I mean, she read a lot into this. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I just... See, that, and, that's what you get with abstract, though. People make up their own meanings. The, and she definitely made up her own meaning. Oh, yeah. Well, considering he didn't even know half of what it was, it, it could mean anything. But I, I love the whole, you must be the prisoner. No, no, we know who the prisoner no, is. There's another prisoner. It's not Jeff. Uh, well, eventually Mrs. Shaw left. Uh, because of just uncontrolled laughter. Yeah. And and as soon as she left, he began to laugh some more. So, of course. Uh, during the next half hour, he had separate visits from both parents. They had indeed calmed down, and the A-plus grade on Jake's final essay seemed to calm them further. Jake received them with his French text open on the desk before him. He was really... So, pretty much, his mom comes to visit them, leaves. They don't really say anything about what she does. But then the dad stops by. Yes. His father poked his head into Jake's room around a quarter of ten. About twenty minutes after Jake's mother had concluded her own short, vague visit, Elmer Chambers was holding a cigarette in one hand and a glass of scotch in the other. Classy. Oh, is he ever. Oh, and of course, you know, he looks like he's been hitting the volume, too. Yeah. So. You okay, kid? Yes. He is once again the small, neat boy 
who was always completely in control of himself. His eyes turned to his father, were not blazing, but opique. I wanted to say I'm sorry about before his father. His, um, before. His father was not a man who made many apologies, and he did it badly. Jake found himself feeling a little sorry for him. It's all right. Hard day, his father said. He gestured with the empty glass. Why don't we just forget it happened? <laughs> he spoke as if this great and logical idea had just come to him. I already have. Good, his father sounded relieved. Time for you to get some sleep, isn't it? You have to get some explaining the test tomorrow, I guess. So, Jake, fine. Is mom okay? Fine, fine. I'm going into the study. Got a lot of paperwork tonight. Dad, his father looked back at him weirdly. Weirdly. Weirdly, thank you. What's your middle name? Something in his father's face told Jake that he hadn't, that he had looked at the final essay grade, but didn't bother to read either the paper itself or Mrs. Avery's critique. I don't have one, he said. Just an initial, like Harry S. Truman, except mine's an R. Uh, What brought that on? Just curious, Jake said. He managed to hold up the composure until his father was gone. But as soon as the door was closed, he ran into bed, stuffed his face in his pillow to muffle another bout of wild laughter. Yeah, it's definitely not his his dad. No. No, no, no. Coincidence, his middle initials are. Weirdly, there's no name attached to that. So pretty much he decides, he after he's able to calm himself down, he goes to at his desk and picks up Charlie the Choo Choo. Good old Charlie the Choo Choo. Yes. His copy was from 1942, which is the fourth printing. He looked at the back, but there was no information at all about Beryl Evans, the book's author. So he opens it up and starts reading. All right, Charlie the Choo Choo. Yes. With good old Engineer Bob. Or Bob Brooks. Bob Brooks. <laughs> nope. I forgot he even had a last I, name. Me too. From Midworld Railway Company in hmm. St. Louis to Topeka. Topeka. Hmm, Topeka. I've been to Topeka, Kansas. I was there for three months. Hmm. Topeka sounds familiar too. Smidge familiar. Smidge. So we find out that Engineer Bob was the best train man in Midworld, and Charlie was the best train. The kids loved Charlie as he went by. And uh, pretty much we... They just do their thing day after day, and then one day... Engineer Bob hears a voice, and he's like, uh, who's in the cab with me? Or should I say, who is in the cab with me? Engineer Bob said sternly. Sternly. You need to see a shrink, Engineer Bob, Jake murmured and turned the page. Here was a picture of Bob bending over to look beneath Charlie the Choo Choo's automatic firebox. Jake wondered who was driving the train and watching out for cows, not to mention boys and girls, on the tracks while Bob was checking for stowaways and guessed that Beryl Evans hadn't known a lot about trains. (laughs) 
Uh, don't worry. It's only I. Whose I? Engineer Bob asked. Uh, Charlie said the small, gruff voice. Hardy har har, Engineer Bob. Trains can't talk. Uh, uh, I suppose it, uh, if you can, if you're real, you can blow your own horn. Of course, he said, and blew the horn. Goodness, Engineer Bob. Engineer Bob. Engineer Bob. Engineer. Goodness, Engineer Bob. It's really cute. I told you, said Charlie the Choo Choo. How come I've never heard you uh, knew you were alive before? Asked Engineer Bob. Why didn't you ever talk to me? And then this is his answer for what some reason didn't answer the question at all. I'm going to sing to you instead. Uh, Then Charlie sang this song to Engineer Bob in his small, gruff voice. Don't ask me silly questions. I won't play silly games. I'm just a simple choo-choo train, and I'll always be the same. I only want to race along beneath the bright blue sky and be a happy choo-choo train until the day I die. It's very interesting wording for a children's book. Yes. Just thought I'd throw that out there. So then, until the day I die. So yeah, so it, Jake's of course reading this and he's looking at the locomotive on there and he's looking at how everybody's dressed and he notices that the, the picture is weird. It says, in this picture, however, it had clearly human features And this gave Jake a deep chill, despite Charlie's smile and the rather heavy-handed cuteness of the story. How is that a cute story? (laughs) He didn't trust that smile. He turned to his final essay and scanned down the lines. I'm pretty sure Blaine is dangerous, he read, and that is the truth. That is the truth. Once again, I think we've shown this before, but there's Charlie the Choo Choo. If you can see, I don't know how the light's shining off of this, so you may or may not... We tried. He closed the folder, tapped his fingers on it thoughtfully for, thoughtfully for a few moments, then returned to Charlie the Choo Choo. So they've been going along doing their thing forever. Then one day, Charlie Engineer Bob returned to the roadhouse in St. Louis. They found a new diesel locomotive with 5,000 ho- horsepower in Charlie's spot. What is this? <laughs> what is this? Engineer Bob asked in a worrying voice, but Charlie only sang his song in the smallest, gruffest voice. Don't ask me silly questions. I won't play silly games. I'm just a simple choo-choo train, and I'll always be the same. I only want to race along beneath the bright blue sky and be a happy choo-choo train until the day I die. So we find out that, sadly, Charlie's spot has been taken by a zephyr. A new shiny train. Yes. It doesn't go woot woot. It goes honk honk. <laughs> and good old engineer Bob refuses. If I can't drive Charlie, not driving. So pretty much he becomes a janitor. Pretty much. I can't. I'm not going to drive train anymore, so I'm the janitor of the place. Yes. So, here is Charlie rusting away in a side trail, pretty much a side trail for all the dying trains, and Engineer Bob comes to visit him. Yep, and talk, and try to talk, and he talks less and less. 
Uh, one night, a terrible idea comes to Engineer Bob's head. Charlie, are you dying? He asked, and his in his smallest, gruffest voice, Charlie replied, Don't ask me silly questions. I won't play silly games. I'm just a simple choo-choo train, and I'll always be the same. Now that I can't race along beneath the bright blue sky, I guess that I'll just sit right here until I finally die. <laughs> Oh my god! Once, once again, very, uh, very much a children's book. Yeah, Charlie. Goodbye, Charlie. Goodbye. So it's Jake's, of course, looking at a picture of Engineer Bob and Charlie, and just noticing how rough Charlie is just looking. And it says, and it occurred to him that there are a lot of stories for kids with stuff like this in them—stuff that threw acid all over your emotions. Hansel and Gretel being turned out into the forest. Bambi's mother getting scragged by a hunter. The death of Old Yeller. It was easy to hurt little kids, easy to make them cry, and this seemed to bring out a strangely sadistic streak in many storytellers, including, it seemed, Beryl Evans. But Jake found he was not saddened by Charlie's relegation to the weedy wastelands at the outer edge of the Midworld train yards. Quite the opposite. Good, he thought. That's the place for him. That's the place because he's dangerous. Let him rot there. And don't trust that tear in his eye. They say crocodiles cry too. (laughs) Jesus, Jake. He read the rest rapidly. It had a happy ending, of course. Although it was undoubtedly that moment of despair on the edge of the train yard, which children remembered long after the happy ending had slipped their minds. Mr. Morton, the president, showed up, and for whatever reason, I don't know why this was the way he chose to get there, had to get to his daughter's recital. I guess he always takes trains. I guess so. And he was going to take the big Zephyr, but it wouldn't start. There was water in the diesel fuel, it seemed. <laughs> Were you the one who wanted that the diesel engine? Were you the one who watered the diesel? Engineer Bob, Jake wondered. I bet it was. You sly dog, you. (laughs) All the other trains were out on this run. So, of course, Engineer Bob showed up dressed to the T, ready to go. He's like, it's okay. We can bring Charlie back on board. I've been fixing and polishing him up this whole time behind y'all's back. On the clock, probably. So they get him all ready. They put him back on the rail. They get everything going, and Charlie's ready to go. So, yep, he gets going, and let's see. Engineer Bob only smiles because he knew Charlie was feeding himself. Okay, we're a little farther into the thing now. (laughs) Yeah, eventually he gets the president, he gets, whatever, the president of the company to where he needs to go, and they finally, they just make a good... Good place for good old Charlie to go. So they send him on over to an amusement park where he can drive little kids around. <laughs> yes. And then the final thing is this one. Keep the cold. Uh, well, like. I missed this all. Okay. It doesn't matter. His, pretty much his last song comes from the fact that the president is so amazed because somehow Charlie is going faster than ever. And that's why Engineer Bob was like, uh-huh, it's because he's actually feeding himself instead of me trying to put it in. Mm-hmm. Uh, chaffa, chaffa. And uh, brump, brump. 
He could hear Charlie singing his old song in his low, gruff voice. Don't ask me silly questions. I won't play silly games. I'm just a simple choo-choo train, and I'll always be the same. I only want to race along beneath the bright blue sky, and I'll be happy choo-choo train until the day I die. And so, yes, that's when he gets sent to the Midworld Amusement Park and Fun Fair in California, and... Just drives kids around in circles, and Engineer Bob stays with him. Yep. Old Engineer Bob. Says, don't ask me silly questions. I won't play silly games, Jake muttered, looking at the final picture. It showed Charlie the choo-choo, pulling the two bunting-decked passenger cards filled with happy children. But pretty much, it's like Engineer Bob's smile was supposed supposed to convey supreme happiness, But to him, it looked like the grin of a lunatic. Charlie and Engineer Bob both looked like lunatics. And the more Jake looked at the kids, the more he thought that their expressions looked like grimaces of terror. Let us off this train, those faces seemed to say. Please, just let us off this train alive. And be a happy choo-choo train until the day I die. Jake closed the book and looked at it thoughtfully. Then opened it again and began to leaf through the pages, circling certain words and phrases that seemed to call out to him. The Midworld Railway Company. Engineer Bob. A small, gruff voice. (laughs) Woo-hoo! The first real friend he'd had since his wife died long ago in New York. Mr. Martin. The world has moved on. And Suzanne. Which was the president's daughter's name. That's where that one came from. He put his pen down. Why did these words and phrases call to him? The one about New York seemed obvious, but what about others? Why this book? He felt like a compass needle. The needle knows nothing about magnetic north. It only knows it must point in a certain direction, like it or not. And then Jake's like, that's it. I'm going to go to sleep. He took off his shirt, then gazed down at the front of Charlie the Choo Choo again. That smile, it just didn't trust that smile. Not a bit. Uh. Have you seen that smile? <laughs> he looks pretty terrifying in that particular picture. Uh. Sleep didn't come as soon as Jake had hoped. The voices began to argue again about whether or not he was alive or dead. And they kept him awake. At last, he sat up in his bed with his eyes closed and his fist hands planted against his temples. Quiet, he screamed at them. Just quiet. You were gone all day. Be gone again. I would if he'd just admit I'm dead, one of the voices said sulkily. I would if he would just take a, take a for God's sake look around and admit I'm clearly alive. And the other snapped back. He was going to scream out loud. There was no way to hold it back. He could feel it coming up his throat like vomit. He opened the, opened his eyes and saw his pants laying over the seat of his desk chair and had an idea occur to him. He got out of bed, went to the chair, and felt in the front right pocket of his pants. The silver key was there, and the moment his fingers closed around it, the voices ceased. Tell him, he thought. With no idea who he thought was who he thought was for, tell him to grab the key. The key makes the voices go. 
He went back to bed and was asleep with the key clasped loosely in his hands three minutes after his head hit the pillow. And that concludes chapter two, book two, whatever this is. <laughs> key and Rose. Key and Rose. Concludes Key and Rose. Um, next week will be Door and Demon. Part one. Or Door and Daemon. <laughs> no. Uh, and we'll be going over, I don't even know how many pages. We've got to look at this. Yeah. It'll probably be about the same. We, we, we assume. We, the last couple, or the last two, it's been around section 15, somewhere Let's around see there. see how many pages we actually have. We're going to have about one <laughs> 50 to ooh, we're up 63 pages. So it's going to be a little bigger than last time. We haven't decided where we're stopping, so we can't tell you what to read. Uh, we don't know. <laughs> but if you follow us on you know, social media, we'll throw it out there at some point. Will we? Yes. Take a man's word on that. Look, look for it. <laughs> Look for it. Uh, let's see. We can, we can make an educated guess real quick. Let's see. It's about 30 pages where we need to get to. So. Uh, probably about 19. Ooh. 19. 19 or 20. 19. This general area. I agree. 19 seems <laughs> so perfect. It's not even funny. Uh, so, yes. Yeah, somewhere between 19 and 21 will probably stop. Whichever one sounds the best. So if you want to read up to that point and follow along, you can. If you do. We believe in you. We believe in you. Bring a leaf with me. <laughs> I thought you already kidnapped a leaf. I did. I think it fell out. Oh. <laughs> I'm taking one back, okay? All right. Well, that was uh, really good. Here about Jake. We didn't get very far, go very far, but... Oh! We're still getting there. We're, everything is coming together. It is, slowly but surely. Or in this case, kind of fast. We're getting oh, through yeah. this book very quickly. <laughs> uh, but as always, you can reach me at Stars Untraveled. Reach a man at KZ Puff. Reach the show at Beyond Our Focus on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, YouTube, and podcast services around the globe. Maybe. Maybe. Sweden. What? I said Sweden. Sweden, Sweden. Same thing I say every yeah, time. I did. I just tweet. Yeah. <laughs> tweet, tweet. Turtle, turtle. Um. See the turtle. Ah, uh, like the video. Leave some comments down below. Let us know what you thought, and please subscribe to the channel. Any other thoughts before we go? Goodbye, February. Goodbye, February. Yeah, pretty much. Um, look out for what is it? Is it's actually going to be? Next, this this is it this Saturday? If this is the twenty fifth, then it would be this. Nope, nope. nope. Next Saturday. It can't next be this Saturday. Saturday. That's so, impossible. Next Saturday. It's not filming until next week. <laughs> yes. Yes. Sir. Our first, not first, but our first monthly podcast of what's in the box will be coming out next. Oh, this goes out next week. It'll be the first. It'll Saturday be this of Saturday. March. Yeah. As of this posting, yeah. it'll be. It'll I was be. right. But it's not this physical Saturday. Well, it's the next Saturday. It, but do 20... this podcast. Yes. It's this Saturday. Yes. Well, that's why I said this Saturday. It's complicated. And now you're going off. Whatever. Whatever. This Saturday will be what's in the box with a right. 
extended edition. The extended edition will be somewhere around three hours. We'll have fun, food, and a special guest. If you watched any of my old previous stuff, she popped in a few things. It's going to be a Laura. She'll be on to have a conversation with us. And we'll have a good time with that. It'll be fun. Yay! Anything else? Mm-hmm. All right. Till next time. Long days and pleasant nights.